Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. For the privilege and the honor to find ourselves gathered in the assembly of your people. We give you thanks, Lord, that your spirit is here, Lord. We give you thanks that your presence is here. We give you thanks, Lord, that the word of God that will issue forth is your heart and your mind. Make it as a double-edged sword that cuts into the depth of who we are, to the very inner sanctions to split the difference between the soul and the spirit. And there, Father God, allow your light to shine. For this life, Lord, is the light of men. We pray that your word this morning would be a good seed planted in good hearts that would bring forth good fruit and a harvest of glory and righteousness. We pray, Lord, that our minds would be captivated by your spirit and that our hearts would be open to welcome your word so that we might be transformed from glory to glory even unto the image of the king of glory, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Allow this work to be a thorough work and not just a superficial work, Father God, where we have the form of godliness, but we're not walking in the power of truth, Lord. Let your word not return void. Let us nourish our spirit this morning. Let us understand the mind of God, that we might walk your word being a lamp unto our feet. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You will have... Uh, heard, if you've been around Christianity for any uh, period of time, you will hear uh, Christians quoting Romans 8.28 uh, like it was their favorite um, text in explanation of everything going on in their life. And you guys will know it with me. All things work out together for good that are called according to uh, his purposes in Christ Jesus, Right? Uh, let's go there very quickly, Romans 8, 28. And sometimes Christians become expert at dissecting the word of God. And uh, like a friend of mine says, I, I treat it like a smorgasbord. I go and I grab what I like and I don't grab what I don't like. I don't even want to hear it. I don't want to listen to it. This is the all-time favorite of, of Christianity quotes. Uh, mis, misquoted, I would like to say, out of context. Uh, we know all things, it doesn't matter what happened, it will work together for good, especially to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Um, so it doesn't matter what happens, it's a powerful text. I'm not saying that it's, it's to be uh, despised in any sort, but I think it should follow in line with what the, the scriptures say, and it's pertaining to verse 29. And nobody ever reads verse 29, but that's why it's there, because it's supposed to emphasize on this, for whom he foreknew, talking about God, and he's talking about all of us, because God knew us way before we came to the earth. He knew us. He's the one that created us, and he has designed us and called us according to his purpose. He also predestined. Can you pr please Understand that God already has a game plan, and whether while your game plan is good, you got to put it down. Uh, we customarily say in this church, we wake up in the morning and flush down the toilet all our thoughts. We don't want our thoughts to disturb his thoughts. His thoughts are higher. So whatever I'm thinking, I, I want to move it aside, and I want to actually pray like this, Lord, not my will, thine be done. 
And how horrible it is when we're not able to do that. Instead, we flush down the thoughts of God down the toilet and we say, Lord, I'm not interested in what you want. This are, these are my terms and conditions. Well, uh, for those of us that are interested in God's game plan, and I think the church, um, the Bible says, let those who have ears hear what the Spirit is saying. That's the church. The ones that could hear God and are not using God and, and twisting the scriptures out of context. Um, from the beginning, God had a game plan. And it's for us to be conformed. The word, uh, take on another form. Take on another likeness. And that conformity and likeness is to the image of his son. And I want you to highlight that. I want you to circle that. Because that's the end-all, be-all of what God desires for us to hold out as our destiny, if you will. Uh, the end result of everything we do, God is able to make all things work out for good. God is, everything in our life that's taking place has with the end result to bring us into the image of His Son. The image of His Son. And this word image is very interesting because as I, I look into it a little bit, um, it's like a stamp. You're stomped. It's like a, a cookie cutter where, where you're hitting so hard that you receive the imprint of that which hits you. And that's why so many sons have a problem being a son because they're avoiding, they're dodging the the blows of a father, if you will, the disciplines, the corrections of a father. So you can never, and the Bible says, a son who doesn't receive his blows, his imprint, is an illegitimate son, sometimes called the corrupt son. Um, this is like a, uh, a coin um, uh, when they're making the currencies and they're stamping each quarter. Each quarter has to look like a quarter in order to have the value of a quarter. Because if, if it moves and, and it misses the imprint, it's lost its value and it's called illegitimate. It's not good. It's not going to replicate the value intended. And, and God from the beginning, you and I both know, and if you don't, we'll read Genesis 1.26, where God says, let us make man in our image. That's, that's the beginning. That's our imprint. And the capacity we have to allow God to stamp us in character. And it's not easy. It doesn't feel good. It, it, it has the capacity of correction, uh, rebuke, exhortation, uh, you know, being told what to do. We don't like that. We're dodging it. We're hiding from it. Mom, come and stand in front of Dad so that you take the blow. And then the poor kid doesn't look anything like the resemblance of the image God desires because dad hasn't had access to a son. And so if it's God's desire for us to come into this conformity of the image of his son, it's going to require that we would allow the image of God. Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them have complete authority and dominion. Let them rule, let them reign, let them, let them take a place like we've taken a place. A son who is not allowed to come into the image of God will have no authority in anything he does. He's not fit for that position. And it's a travesty that we don't know this. And, and here the church has come. The church has come. The church has come 
in Ephesians 4.13, that we might reach that full stature and measure. And it says the fullness, Ephesians 4.13. He has come, the church has come, that we can all be united in faith so that we understand what it is to be a son. So that we can reach the measure of a perfect man in stature and in fullness. And I want to challenge you, when you came to church, you were born again into a family and you became a son of God. And being a son of God, now comes that, that, that imprint that is going to perfect your character so you're not illegitimate, so you're not corrupt in being able to mark yourself as a son of the Most High God. And this is the challenge we have. Are we going to allow God to do this in our lives? I don't, I don't know that we could ever... Uh, De desire this place in our hearts. Uh, in other words, it will never come to pass what God desires unless we desire it and we pray according to that purpose. 1 John 5.12 says, He who has the Son has the life. 1 John 5.12 He who has the Son has the life. He who has not the Son of God hasn't the life. And the abundance of the life that God has called us to is the capacity we have to allow ourselves to be led and learned and grow and, and be stretched into this life. And, and that was the hallmark of all these Christian men. It's the hallmark of the Spirit of God that speaks to you today. I continue to say that I'm not too good to be able to bring these messages I say, Lord, have mercy upon me and those who come to church that they might have what you desire for them to know. And so our journey in becoming sons starts out in this born-again process. But in Galatians 4.19, we'll see the apostle of apostles. We see Paul saying, I strive all the more. My, my work in the things of God is that Christ would be birthed in you. I'm, I'm, I'm striving till, till the conformity, until you, are, you take on the very image of Christ. And let me tell you something, our ruin before we met Christ and our ruin before coming to church was our walking contrary to that spirit that he talks about there also in Galatians. If you go with me to Galatians 4 verse 6. He says, because you have become sons of God, because you have become sons, you're going to take on this image of God. God, therefore, sends his spirit to you, the spirit of his son. And th that spirit will yearn with the longings of saying, I, I need a dad. I need a father. I need somebody that will come and and." And stick their opinion, stick their, their, what they know into my life. You know, we have a, a, a challenge here. Here is a young man we saw in the video here who doesn't have a father. His father's letting him express his own desire. And you want to see a sad puppy in this world. You see a young man that wants to do his own thing. You see a prodigal son who picks up his inheritance and moves forward. You see this young man who who's being asked, what do you want? How do you want it? Well, that's not the heart of God. It's not the heart of those who cry out with the Spirit of God. And, and sometimes we know there's a loss of life and there's a loss of expression when we come to this 
place of, of allowing someone else to speak and to direct and to challenge you and to confront. All these things are seen in John chapter 10, verse 18, where the, the heart of a son who's crying out the spirit of the father, Dad, tell me what to do. Tell me how to do it. Tell me where you want me to go. Show me the way. And then being able to, to have people make fun of you and saying, uh, look what's going on in your life. You don't have a life. And then Jesus says this, no one takes it from me. I'm voluntarily laying down my life. I could pick it up. I could, do, I could be a fool. I could walk in my own pride, in my own deception, but I'm laying it down. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it up. Nobody's going to make you to be a son. A son is one who desires to be a son. And one who doesn't desire to be a son is called a rebel. Whether you use it in the spiritual context with God or whether you use it in the, uh, the home context of a family or a stepson who's defying his stepfather, which is a curse for him because it's the only father he has been given. A stepfather is the greatest calling a man could have to father a son, to adopt one as your own. I think that's a, an honor, a privilege you get to stand there like God does and adopt many sons like he's done with us. Uh, many stepfathers don't understand this and go and tell their son, you're not my son. That's not true. As long as he's asking for a legacy, he is your son and you should stamp him with that image of respect and honor. But going back here to uh, John 10, he says, no one's forcing me to do this. I'm, I, could, I, can, I can choose what I want. And you know what he says next? He says, but this command I've received from my father. So yeah, you have the desire to do what you want, but you being wise and understanding that the end result of your walk in the things of God is that the God on high predestined you to be conformed to the image of a son. His son. And you know what his son did? He was obedient unto death and death on a cross. And that's a blessing, even though your friends make fun of it. Even though you're despised for having a father. Oh, how they wish they had fathers. The number one curse in the world today is fatherlessness. It was established um, a long time ago in World War I when, when all the Germans went to war. Out of every thousand Germans that went to war, 17 returned from the war. And only three of the 17 had not received any disability. So German became a fatherless country. And here's what happens when you become fatherless. You begin to allow someone else to father you. You allow someone else to imprint you. You allow someone else to give you an image. And then you start walking around with tattoos and pierced earrings and mohawks and crew cuts. And you look like a monkey. Because you haven't allowed your father to speak into your life, yet you allow some total idiot to come and tell you how to look and how to walk. And so God desires there to be a generation of those that will raise up to be sons of God, that will allow Christ to be imprinted in their thoughts, in their words, in their actions, and to be entrusted the legacy of faithful sons. That's who gets the inheritance. And so we understand that he says, no one takes this from me. I, I can choose to do whatever I want. 
and my choice is to follow the command. Say this, this command I've received from my Father. I've received instruction. I've embraced that which is not my own. And we know that because at the Garden of Gethsemane, several times he says, Father, pass this cup. I don't like looking like you want me to look. I don't like going where you want me to go. I'm 33 years old. Yet not my will, not my will, thine be done. For thine is the glory, the expressions of what God has planned as we walk in this incredible calling. What a privilege it is to be called the sons of God. The Bible says this is based upon God's love. Look with what God has loved us. Behold, what manner of God is this, that he has called us his own sons. To the capacity that we grow. And so we see Luke 2.40. Where Jesus is birthed in that character. And still at 33. He's still holding on to the instructions of his father. Later on the Germans embraced some little dictator's whim. And became a fatherless country following a derelict. A demented fellow named Hitler. And they were striving for some type of, of legacy and resemblance to something. Because when you don't receive your legacy, you have no legacy at all. And so you'll return to the house and say, Dad, forgive me. Teach me again. Start again with letting me understand and learn what you were trying to teach me when I was so foolish to intervene with my own thoughts, with my own attitudes. But the child grew and became strong in spirit. He became filled with wisdom. The grace of, co of God was upon him. Now, this is, this is a, a stark contradiction where you're poor in spirit, where you're filled with foolishness, where there is no favor of God upon your life because you're not walking in that, in that capacity. In verse 52, it says, Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God, and that caused him to walk now in favor with men. Verse 52. Isn't that powerful that one thing allows us to come into the next? And I, I want to tell you today, if you have ears to listen, let God take you through his program. Let God take you through that imprint. Go through that assembly line and let them impact you hard. Hebrews 5.8 says the only way to learn wisdom and increase in stature and gain the favor of God and man it says that although he was a son, he learned obedience by the things that felt good. No. When's the last time you called your dad and said, Dad, I need a good spanking? When's the last time you called the pastor and said, I need a good rebuke? I need you to mess with my life. And this past week, I've talked to about five people. I said, how are you doing? They said, okay. I said, who told you? You think you're okay because you're walking in your own opinion. Ask me what I think. And I'll tell you, you're out of control and you're sick. And you're in need of intense What's that called? The intensive care unit. Isn't it tremendous that when we don't allow God to teach us and, and, and fill us with wisdom and we learn and train and discipline, walking in humility, obedience, and submission, you're ruined. Let me tell you this. You're ruined as a man. You are ruined as a man because your next level of responsibility is going to require it of you. 
Your next level when you get into marriage is going to require it of you that there be a man, that there be the stature of one who has the image of a man and not a sissy, not somebody who's walking in, in the debilitating uh, stance of not having been a good son. So this one woman I just heard this week, I heard about a woman who had been married about 15 years to a man who's like 45 and she called her mother-in-law and she says, could you do me a favor and finish raising your son? And an embarrassment that your daughter-in-law would call you one day and says, thank you very much, mother-in-law. You never allowed this man to grow up. You never allowed this man to be taught by a man what a man is and walk in responsibility. And how sad it is that the hearts of the sons are not turned towards the father. Let me tell you something, women, and this is a side note, and you might not appreciate it, but I just need to tell you that the only semblance of hope that your sons have is receiving the imprint of their father. And if you sit there and you dodge the ball and you hide and you manipulate and you work your witchcraft so that little poor princess, prince cannot receive I was in Peru last year, and, and a pastor came up to me. He says, my 21-year-old son is, is smoking pot, and he doesn't want to go to school, and he doesn't want to be responsible and disciplined. And I said, what's going on? And he says, I found out that all these years, when I would reprimand him, his mom would come into the room and release him. When I would discipline him, his mom would come into the room and says, don't, don't listen to your dad. Just act like you're listening, but... I'll take care of it afterwards. So now this man is 21 years old and he's cursed because his heart was always turned away from his father like it says in Malachi chapter four. You know that you women need to understand that when God brought you in the picture is for you to take on the image of the man that you're married to and I'll show you that in a second. You're not to have your own imprint. You're not to have your own laboratory. You're not to to work things that later on are a curse to your children. I've seen this too often in Malachi chapter four, verse six. It's God's desire to turn the hearts of the father to the children and the hearts of the children towards their dad, lest the, the earth is stricken with the curse of chaos. And so it's been determined and established. It's not a motherless home that creates poverty and mental illness, and irresponsibility, and criminality, and theft. No, it's, it's the fatherless home. It's where the authority of father is not existent. I'm going to take it a step farther, and I'm going to say it's that authority of God that comes into the home through the father. Because some husbands and fathers that are not connected with, with God are just as disconnected as their sons are disconnected to them. And so... It is there that we learn these things. And I had one young man come up to me and says, Pastor, when I was 12 years old, my mom threatened my dad that if he ever disciplined me again, she would get divorced. My mom threatened my dad when I was 12 that if he disciplined me again, that she would get a divorce from him. So my dad has never again spoken to me. My dad has never again directed my life. My dad has never again cared about marking me with the blessings of a future. You know what happened? That young man today is 30-something years old. He has no identity. He has no legacy. He can't get married. He doesn't know what a job is. He doesn't know how to walk. And it's a travesty. 
It's a travesty. Another young man has went to go get a funny haircut, and his father came to grab him by the, the, the ends of whatever haircut he had gotten, and the mom stood in the way and says, no, understand, he needs to f- express himself. And you know what? The father decided, I'm not going to have any more arguments with my wife. I just won't talk to my son anymore. You know what happened? The guy was suicidal at the age of 19. He was thoroughly disgusted with himself, wanting to be being suicide, bringing uh, self-esteem issues. Because we were created to honor our fathers. We were created to walk in such a way that we respect and we're dignified for everything to go well and for us to live a long life. It's one of the Ten Commandments. To honor dad, it's powerful. Not to negotiate with dad, not to excuse. In fact, from now on, I will determine that an excuse is only the expression of a guilty person. Somebody who's trying to excuse their conduct is because they don't want the consequences for their conduct. And we need to get excuses out of our lives. I'm going to tell you, when I first got saved, I was a young man. I must have been 16, 17, 18 years old. And when my dad was trying to rebuke and hold me accountable to my words and to my actions and to my schedule, my mom, too, like a good mom, was like protecting, right? And I told my mom something. Do me a favor. When dad is rebuking me, stay out of the way. I need his rebuke. When dad is correcting me, please I know that he doesn't do it like a full gentleman and with t- total dignity and respect and honor. But guess what? I need to hear from a dad. I need someone to speak into my life or else I'm going to be a disaster. And that was a son requiring of my mom that she would allow God's hand to be upon my life. Because the hand of a father in your life is God. He represents uh, the eternal father. He's a father par excellence. And so women understand this. You are an expression of the glory of your husband. 1 Corinthians eleven seven. A man ought not to cover his head. His authority should be there. It should be present. The head is a sign of authority. And she is the image. He is the image and glory of God. That authority in your home represents God. When you're challenging that authority, you're challenging God. There's no authority but those placed by God. And God is forming and his grace has come to our lives. Glory to God. We get to be disciplined and corrected and welcomed into the Father's embrace. But the woman is the glory of man. The the, the schizophrenia in our society is dad takes a position and mom takes a position and the son is looking at both and trying to do a little bit of both and he's a double personality. He's a split personality. And we're not to be that. We're to be a good imprint because where there's a divided house, it's not going to prosper. It won't hold the weight of responsibility. A son should look like his father, should act like his father, should walk like his father. That's why God gave him a father in the first place. The travesty of the generations that have says, Dad, what are you, a carpenter? I want to be a plumber. So my kid could be an electrician. So your grandson could be God knows what, sell umbrellas. But when there's a generation of sons that take on the legacy of their fathers, generation after generation, and they're known by the expressions of the image of their dad, that's where prosperity starts happening. And that's where the blessing starts taking place. And we start seeing the consistency of God's blessing. As we feed on this and make it our food, they said that uh, Alexander the Great, one of the, one of the great... Uh, gods or the expressions of the kings of Greece when he was a baby they had him chew on a lion's bone 
And they knew that if he chewed on a lion's bone when he grew up, he'd be a lion. He'd have that character. So when your father is giving you the responsibility of a man, don't let your mom give you a baby rattle. Don't sit there and let that be warped and, 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 and demined, demeaned, brought down. Look at what it says in 1 John 3, 2 and 3. It says, Beloved, we are not now God's children. We, are the, we, are the, we come from that source. And even though it's not clear what we are, we know that when he comes, we will be like him. For we shall see him just like he is. You know what your, your child will become? He'll become the expressions of, of those that, of the things that he's walking in as a child. If there's rebellion, he's going to be rebellious. If there's unaccountability, he's going to be unaccountable. If there's not maturity, he's going to be immature. And so it's not just seen, but as we continue to walk, and one of the revelations I've been getting lately is I'm turning into my father. Oh, my God. Isn't that amazing? That you will walk in the legacy of those who train you up and in the disciplines of those who train you up. Proverbs 20, 11 says, every child is known by what he does. We, we're living in a generation where Ted Bundy, a mass serial killer, could go out and kill 35 women, and his mom shows up to the scene and says what? He's a good son. You crazy? You insane? 35 women and counting, and you're going around saying you have a good son? Proverbs 20, 11, even a child is known by what he does. If he lies, if he cheats, if he manipulates, if he disobeys, if he rebels, he's a rebel. He's a disobedient. He needs to be corrected, straightened out, and told what you're doing is not good. We had one of our women's Bible studies where on a Monday night a woman comes. Her boy had ransacked and vandalized Miami, had broken into houses, broken cars, Stolen tires, rebelled, broken into homes, and his wife says, uh, the mom says, he's a good boy. He's a good boy. He's my good boy. But he's known by whether what he does is pure and held accountable for his words. And let's, let's avoid all this excuse me and his actions. If they're right, they're to be proved right. There's an old saying that says, the child is the father of the man. The child is the father of the men. You are grooming that young man that will raise your grandchildren. I'll do it for him. The earliest actions are prophetic of the future. Whether your son will be pure, whether he will be right, whether he be clean or evil. A child is known by his conversation. Excuses are evidence of evil. As one is trying to be delivered from the consequences of his disobedience. I told you not to do that, yeah, but. I told you to go here, yeah, but. I told you to do this, yeah, but. And so excuse, 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 excuse. He will be a man and he'll tell his wife, yeah, but. He'll tell his children, yeah, but. He'll tell his work, yeah, but. He'll continue to use excuses his whole life because he's never had the consequences to say, I'm sorry, I'm wrong, period. I'm sorry, I'm wrong. I'm going to do it better. There's transformation. There is a change. Ed Cole says change is not change until there is change. The main thing the wise man was telling us all through this proverb 
we may easily learn from a child what the man will be. And it's only through correction and these things that we don't like very much in Hebrews 12 where it says to us that allow these and, and you know something, it's on very many things. We that read the scriptures will only uh, say as we leave here the sanctuary today, uh, the class was on parenting. Guess what? That was your natural understanding. I'm talking about spiritual things. I'm talking about becoming the man and the woman God wants you to be. To be a spiritual son, to, to walk in him, receiving uh, the discipline. Look what it says there. In chapter 12 of Hebrews, it says, he was disciplined. In verse 5, it says, you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, don't despise when they're pulling on your chain, when they're rattling your cage. Don't be discouraged. Don't, Don't despise that when you are rebuked by him. I know the Spanish translation to this is, is much more forceful. They understood it more. Don't be, you know, discouraged. Discouraged means that you were being beaten. Discouraged means avoid the beating. Avoid the accountability. Avoid the rebuke. When you are rebuked by him, for whomever God loves, he chastens. And there's that word, scourges. You guys see it there in verse 6? Every son whom he receives. There's a, I know I have a father. My butt was beaten many times. I was corrected many times. I was confronted. I was challenged. If you endure this chastening, verse 7, God will deal with you as a son. If you put up with it, then he'll know you are a son. If you don't put up with it, because all fathers will come and mold you and imprint you. But if you are without this Treatment, and I'm not talking about abuse. Get that clear. A lot of you guys are abusive, and that's not from the Lord. I'm not talking about abuse. If you're chastened, of which we all become partakers, then you are, if you, if you don't receive it, you're illegitimate, and you'll never be a son, and you'll never fulfill God's purpose. I, I just want to tell you that this is just one step in the direction we're going. Listen to me. This is just one step in the direction we're going. You're not going to be a perpetual, you know, uh, son. You will acquire wisdom. You'll start walking in, in the returns of that discipline and character. You'll start receiving the rewards. And so some parents I counsel, I said, when's the last time you punished your child? And they say, never. I never had to punish them. And it doesn't mean that they're doing good. It means that they are spoiled brats. You don't want to see them angry. You don't want to see them upset. First Kings chapter 5, we were reading this week. The Lord showed me this chapter. King David, First Kings 1.5, it says, Adonijah was the son of King David. It was the son of Haggith, one of David's wife, and he lifted himself up. That's a, that's a, that's a self-diagnosed, self-medicated. How are you doing in school? I'm doing great. It's good. Why don't you bring me your report card so I can tell you how you're doing? Why don't you show me what's going on? Show me your grades so I can tell you that you're not to be lifted up on your own. And he said he exalted himself and he considered himself. This is his self-appointment. Self-diagnosis, self-medication, self-appointment. Verse 5. I will be keen, he said to himself. 
I will be keen. And he prepared for himself. He's full of himself. You see that? Exalt himself, prepared himself, spoke to himself. That's, that's the highlight of a child who's never received discipline. He's given himself his own badge of honor, his own merit, his own uh, extra credit rewards. He prepared for him chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. In verse 6, it says the reason why he did this. His father, his father had never rebuked him at any time, ever asking him for the account of, what are you doing? What are you doing? Where are you headed? Who are your friends? Where do you want to go? Where do you want to come? I'm doing okay. I've improved a lot. I'm a good person. There's nobody like me. I'm a champion. Mom tells me all the time. 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, We are being transformed from glory to glory. We are beholding the image of Christ. We are beholding the imprint of the glory of the Lord. Being transformed into, say with me, same image. You know, it's hilarious. You've got to grab this. This is hilarious. All men rebel at home. They don't want to take the conformity of their father's instruction. You're not going to tell me what to do. I, I have my own mindset. I'm doing my own thing. And then they leave the house, right? And they want to go to a group of people where they all dress like Ricky Martin. They all hang out looking the same. They all don't take on different identities. They look at each other and say, Mom, I want to have one of those haircuts that like, you know, like Peacock. I want to have an expression. Why? Where'd you get that from? Your father doesn't do that. Your grandfather doesn't. I just went to school, man. It's the hottest thing. Everybody's doing it. It's called the flowhawk. They want to be different. They end up being the same. You want to be different. You stand out like a son of God. You're unique. You're exclusive. You embrace not rebellion, but obedience. And that'll make you the most special person in the planet like it did Jesus Christ. Like it did Danny Rodriguez. When you stand up and begin to walk different than the world, the world will notice. And then you have the expressions in the platform to be transformed to greater and greater glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so we continue on to say that this is a refining fire's work. It's not going to be easy. Nothing is easy. 1 Peter 1.7 these things have come so that your faith, the hardships that have come in your life is so that your faith will grow greater worth of gold, which perishes even though it's refined by fire, and it'll be proven genuine and may result in the praise, glory, and honor when at the end of every single one of these blows, as you walk like a son, allowing it to cut you and to form you and to mold you and to press you in to difficulties and being stretched, you know who's going to be revealed there? Christ is. You will be in the image and likeness of the Lamb of God. You will be walking around in the expressions of Him who, who was the one that brought us into this reality in the first place. I want to challenge you guys to be able to begin to seek these things. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 29, Jesus said these words, Not even Solomon, not even Solomon in all his glory, was not able to receive the glory that God had purposed and ordained for him. 
What's this mean? That in the natural, you're going to be able to do something. There's going to be somewhat of a work done in an image that doesn't conform to the sun, but it'll, it'll be an impressive, it'll be prosperous, it'll be like Solomon. But even Solomon was limited in his ability to expand and express the image of God. I want to challenge you that the glory that God will bring you to, if you allow him to, will be great and marvelous. It says there in Isaiah 9, 6, you see the progressions of what God wants to do. And yeah, there are levels, there are, there are under levels of walking in this world-changing image. But as you allow this raw material to be worked on, it says, For unto us a child is born. The very fact that you came out of a womb into a family, you're a child. And I congratulate you, and you have the full, like Omar Jr. shared last Saturday, you have the full potential of great things as a child. But your next call in life, my friend, is whether or not a son will be given. That's the next level. The fact that you're in existence is obvious. Put that verse back up there, please. The fact that there is a child is obvious, and it's self-centered, and it's doing everything it wants. The glories of God is when a son comes into maturity and say, I have come not to do my will, but to do my father's will, because I want to see where this leads me. I challenged my father, too, when I was um, getting hired to be a police officer. I was going into the police academy. I had gone through 10 months of training, and here I was, the glorious, grand old police officer. And my parents called me into the room that night, many moons ago, and says, we don't think God has this for you. And I said, there they go, messing with my life again. Because this is what I want to do. And so I went back to the room, and I argued with God. I said, listen. I'm going to do this once more. I'm going to be a son. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to listen to dad. And you know what happened years later? I became a lawyer and I was making 15 times more than a cop. I wasn't working nights. I was vested with the glories of obedience that I didn't understand. I didn't think I had the capacity to be a lawyer. But I obeyed. That's the mark of a son. I submitted. I followed in suit to see where it would lead me, thinking it would be the destruction of my life. It wasn't. It was my exaltation. It was another level. It was a higher call. It was the glory of God. So a child is born, a son is given. And a son can be entrusted to government. It says, and the government will be upon his shoulders. Why? Because he is under the disciplines of, of rule and government and character. So he could be entrusted to be a leader. He's a child, he's a son, now he's entrusted to government. And because he's been entrusted to the, to the law of the kingdom, his name will be called Wonderful. He will be a blessing, he will be a counselor, he will be able to instruct others. Why? He allowed himself to be instructed. He will be an everlasting father at one point. He will come into being able to do for his sons what his father did for him. How horrible it is, those of us that weren't allowed to be fathered, now we don't know how to father. And because there's a father, there is the prince of peace. He establishes a kingdom of peace and joy. Verse 7. The increase, if you're faithful to listening to small things entrusted from a father, let me tell you something. You, you're trained in your home as, as a son. And then you're going to be into ministry, which is at a greater level of son. Your ministry will impact the nations to the degree you're able to be a faithful son. And so when I go to other countries, I'm not getting there like if I know it all and I'm the be-all. I go there as a faithful son. 
I'll be going to this, to this conference now in Peru. Yeah, I'll share three times, but I'm going to serve. I'll translate for the other guys to come. And if I don't share, I'll just be there to serve. Because that's what a son does first. He serves. He's humble. He walks in obedience. He's not, he's not, that's what makes him qualified. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. It continues to grow and grow. And so we see that we're able to establish these things. You know what does that? The last verse in verse 7. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Are you very, you're full of zeal? You, you really want what God wants? Allow this work to come upon your life. Allow God to take you through this process. Allow these verses to impact your lives. Allow yourself to not to be a theologian or a master's in divinity or a teacher of the, of the scripture. Like it says in 1 Corinthians 5 where Paul says, listen, this is not a matter of being scholarly. This is a matter of you might have 10,000 teachers, but you don't have many fathers. And many people want to go to Bible college and people want to become great men of God. What they don't want is the, the challenges of a father. The challenges of someone who will ask account what's going on. Let's look for this real quick. I believe it's 2 Corinthians 5. God is doing this in his spirit throughout all in all so that one day we might look into the mirror and see the reflection. This is 1 Corinthians 4, verse um, 14. He says, I'm not writing or discussing these things to shame you, but you are as my beloved children, I warn you. Verse 4, four, uh, four. though you might have 10,000 teachers and scholars and instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, there's been a birth, a, a, a begottenness through the gospel. I urge you to imitate me. And it says, for this reason I've sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord. And he will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Let's stand this morning and say, Lord, let me revisit this aspect. All, all things occur to the good of those who are loved by God and called according to his purpose that were predestined before time to be conformed into the image of his son. This is what God is longing for. You know, some of you, you, you had the travesty to grow up in, the, in, in that, that rough of the 60s and get just enough of like the caca on you to continue to bring it into your Christianity and now you're a bunch of uh, Christian hippies. And you, you think you're sons, but you're illegitimate. You think you're sons, but you receive no discipline. You think you're sons, but there's no obedience in your life. You think you're sons, but the image is, is screwed. It's, it's, it's skewed, I mean, excuse me, it's screwed and skewed. It's twisted. It's, it's, not, it's not that proper imprint. And you need to ask God, Lord, make me a vessel. Make me soft enough that that imprint could take place. Make me receptive enough where, where I receive my inheritance, my legacy, and I will receive a world-changing image in the likeness of a son who, who honors and walks in the blessings of God's design for our life. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one 
will come to see the Father imprint on them. He had to be moldable. He had to be teachable. He had to be submissive and humble. He was obedient to death and death on a cross. And a lot of us are only obedient up until our convenience, until it's convenient. Then we decided to take off and go somewhere else. I told you guys that I had the travesty of growing up in a high school that every year they would change their mascot. First year we were Spartans, then we were Panthers, then we were Golden Eagles, and then we were nothing. We were nothing. You either got to allow some image to be imprinted on you or get ready to be, you know, the, the craziness of the images of this world. And so ask the Spirit of God to come upon you. Ask the Word of God to be fruitful in you so that your image, your likeness, your thoughts, your words, your deeds, your service, your ministry will take on the characteristics of a faithful Christ. He's already begun to live inside of us. The book of Colossians says, chapter 3, verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God. Why? Because he allowed himself to become under that, that strong impression. He's allowed that the whole weight of God's identity and image to be upon him. And so in that regards, we bow our heads as we listen to this song and ask God, Lord, this is, this is more than just about church. This is about you being formed in me so that I could take on the image of your faithful son.